Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. You may have seen the recent footage of glowing orange lava flowing from Kilauea's East Rift Zone on the big island of Hawaii. Scientists need a way to measure the flow. They often turn to the Navier-Stokes equations, They're used to model everything from lava to ocean currents to the flow of blood in your heart. But just like there's no guarantee that lava won't flow into your house in Hawaii, there's no guarantee that Navier-Stokes equations will work every single time. Some mathematicians are trying to change that. The Navier-Stokes equations date back to the 1820s. They capture one of the most ubiquitous features of the physical world, the flow of fluids. Physicists consider the equations to be as reliable as a hammer. But mathematicians say it means little that the equations appear to work. They want proof that the equations are unfailing, that no matter the fluid and no matter how far into the future you forecast its flow, the mathematics of the equations will still hold. So far, such a guarantee has been elusive. But there's money writing on this one. The first person or team to prove that the Navier-Stokes equations will always work or to provide an example where they don't stands to win $1 million. The money's from one of seven Millennium Prize problems endowed by the Clay Mathematics Institute. Mathematicians have developed many ways of trying to solve the problem. New work posted online last September raises serious questions about whether one of the main approaches pursued over the years will succeed. The paper in question is by Tristan Buckmaster and Vlad Vikol of Princeton University. Here's Tristan Buckmaster. For mathematicians, we think, a lot of us think, that the Navier-Stokes equation is ill-posed. Many physicists believe the opposite. Buckmaster and Vicol were the first to find that under certain assumptions, the Navier-Stokes equations provide inconsistent descriptions of the physical world. Buckmaster says the issues they've highlighted with the equations show that people might have to rethink them. Buckmaster and Vicol's work shows this. When you allow solutions to the Navier-Stokes equations to be very rough, like a sketch rather than a photograph, the equations start to output nonsense. They say the same fluid from the same starting conditions could end up in two or more different states. It could flow one way or a completely different way. If that were the case, then the equations don't reliably reflect the physical world they were designed to describe. To see how the equations can break down, let's look at it this way. Imagine the flow of an ocean current. There might be a bunch of cross currents within it, with some parts moving in one direction at one speed and other parts moving in other directions at other speeds. These cross currents interact with each other in a continually evolving interplay of friction and water pressure that determines how the fluid flows. Mathematicians model that interplay using a map that tells you the direction and magnitude of the current at every position in the fluid. This map is called a vector field. It's a snapshot of the internal dynamics of a fluid. The Navier-Stokes equations take that snapshot and play it forward, telling you exactly what the vector field will look like at every subsequent moment in time. 
The equations work. They describe fluid flows as reliably as Newton's equations predict the future positions of the planets. Physicists employ them all the time, and they've consistently matched experimental results. But mathematicians want proof that the equations will work no matter what, no matter what vector field you start with, and no matter how far into the future you go. For mathematicians, the equations must always give you a unique new vector field. This is the subject of the Millennium Prize problem. It asks whether the Navier-Stokes equations have solutions, or vector fields, for all starting points for all moments in time. These solutions have to provide the exact direction and magnitude of the current at every point in the fluid. Solutions that provide information at such infinitely fine resolution are called smooth solutions. With a smooth solution, every point in the field has an associated vector that allows you to travel smoothly over the field without ever getting stuck at a point that has no vector, a point from which you don't know where to move next. Smooth solutions are a complete representation of the physical world, but mathematically speaking, they may not always exist. Mathematicians like Buckmaster worry about this kind of scenario. You're running the Navier-Stokes equations and observing how a vector field changes. So what could happen is that you have a solution to the equation that is smooth, but somehow at some point a particle of the fluid is moving infinitely fast. And then it's no longer a smooth solution to the equation. So you can't make sense of the equation in a classical sense in this case. This is what's called blow-up. So when the solution becomes unbounded or it doesn't become smooth. That would be a problem because the equations involve measuring changes in properties like pressure, friction, and velocity in the fluid. In other words, they take derivatives of these quantities. But you can't take the derivative of an infinite value any more than you can divide by zero. So they break down. They can no longer describe subsequent states of your fluid. Blow-up is also a strong hint that your equations are missing something about the physical world they're supposed to describe. If the equations were capturing all of the effects of the real fluid, particles would never start moving infinitely fast. Solving the Millennium Prize problem involves either showing that blow-up never happens for the Navier-Stokes equations or identifying the circumstances under which it does. One strategy mathematicians have pursued to do that is to first relax just how descriptive they require solutions to the equations to be. When mathematicians study equations like Navier-Stokes, they sometimes start by broadening their definition of what counts as a solution. Smooth solutions require maximal information. In the case of Navier-Stokes, they require that you have a vector at every point in the vector field associated with the fluid. But what if you loosened your requirements and said that you only needed to be able to compute a vector for some points, or only needed to be able to approximate vectors? These kinds of solutions are called weak solutions. They allow mathematicians to start feeling out the behavior of an equation without having to do all the work of finding smooth solutions. After all, smooth solutions might be impossible to do in practice. Camillo de Lalas is the co-author of several important papers that laid the groundwork for Buckmaster and Vicol's work. 
Delella says in a way, weak solutions are easier to describe than actual solutions. Because you have to know much less. So let me give you an example, a specific example pertaining to Navier-Stokes. One of the equations of Navier-Stokes, which is the divergence-free condition, is telling you that the fluid is incompressible. So if you fix a region, at every given time, you see how much fluid is actually contained in this region. And that quantity is a constant. It's not varying on time. So you cannot make more fluid occupy less region, and you cannot stretch it to occupy more space. So one way to formulate this is something like take a region which is bounded by some contour and put a lot of people observing you know, around this contour. So some amount of water is getting out in some place, some amount of water is flowing in in some other place. And when all the people together count how many particles are getting out and are getting in, actually they find zero. And this is something that you can describe, right? That if the amount of water which is in a certain container is constant, it means that there is as much water flowing out as there is water flowing in. And for this most basic concept, you can make sense actually even if you have a rather rough flow, so a flow which is oscillating a lot, for instance, which is behaving in a very chaotic way, whereas the other one, divergence-free condition, is something for which you have to use a mathematical theorem, which assumes that your flow is not behaving too badly. So you have to know a lot more to make the weak solution correct. And not all weak solutions are equal. Some are weaker than others. Think of it this way. A smooth solution is a mathematical image of a fluid down to infinitely fine resolution. Weak solutions are like the 32-bit or 16-bit or even 8-bit version of that picture. It's the difference between the graphics of Atari's Pong in the early 1980s and Grand Theft Auto on a Sony PlayStation 4 today. In 1934, French mathematician Jean Leray defined an important class of weak solutions. Rather than working with exact vectors, Leray solutions take the average value of vectors in small neighborhoods of the vector field. Leray proved that it's always possible to solve the Navier-Stokes equations when you allow your solutions to take this particular form. In other words, Leray solutions never blow up. Leray's achievement established a new approach to the Navier-Stokes problem. Start with Leray solutions, which you know always exist, and see if you can convert them into smooth solutions, which you want to prove always exist. It's like starting with a crude picture and seeing if you can gradually dial up the resolution to get a perfect image of something real. Buckmaster says a possible strategy is to show these weak Leray solutions are smooth, he says if you show they're smooth, you've solved the original Millennium Prize problem. This whole Millennium Prize is important for prediction and knowing that is this a physically valid equation? I mean, if we no longer have a solution, maybe, maybe this equation is not capturing all the effects of a real fluid because something is happening at the small scales that this equation is not capturing. But there's one more catch. Solutions to the Navier-Stokes equations correspond to real physical events, and physical events happen in just one way. Given that, you'd like your equations to have only one set of unique solutions. If the equations give you multiple possible solutions, they've failed. 
Because of this, mathematicians will be able to use Luray solutions to solve the Millennium Prize problem only if Luray solutions are unique. Under the rules of Navier-Stokes, non-unique Luray solutions would mean the exact same fluid from the exact same starting conditions could end up in two distinct physical states. That makes no physical sense. It implies that the equations aren't really describing what they're supposed to do. Buckmaster and Vicol's new result is the first to suggest that might be the case for certain definitions of weak solutions. In their new paper, Buckmaster and Vicol consider solutions that are even weaker than Luray solutions. These are solutions that involve the same averaging principle as Luray solutions, but also relax one additional requirement. They use a method called convex integration. It has its origins in geometry by the late Princeton mathematician John Nash. Using this approach, Buckmaster and Vicol prove that these very weak solutions to the Navier-Stokes equations are non-unique. Buckmaster says some of these solutions are known as nightmare solutions. Nightmare solutions are solutions which are completely at rest. No fluid is moving. And then after some time, the fluid starts moving on its own. There's no energy put in the system or whatever. It just moves by its own. And then it stops moving again. Of course, it's not a physical fluid. I mean, if you could do this, then you could solve the energy crisis because you could create energy from nothing. For example, Buckmaster and Vicol show that if you start with a completely calm fluid, like a glass of water sitting still by your bedside, two scenarios are possible. The first scenario is the obvious one. The water starts still and remains still forever. Buckmaster says the second scenario is fantastical, but mathematically permissible, and it's how Nightmare Solution got its name. You put a glass of water by your bedside, and you fall asleep. It was completely still. You fell asleep. You woke up in the middle of the night, and it started moving. And then you went back to bed, and then it went flat. And it was like a nightmare. Vicol says this proves non-uniqueness because you can construct at least two solutions from the same initial data. Buckmaster and Vicol prove the existence of many non-unique weak solutions to the Navier-Stokes equations. The significance of this remains to be seen. At a certain point, weak solutions might become so weak that they stop really bearing on the smoother solutions they're meant to imitate. If that's the case, then Buckmaster and Vicol's result might not lead far. Mathematician Camillo de Lellis calls their work fantastic, but also a warning. You could argue, okay, it's a warning for the weakest notion of weak solution, but there are many other layers on which actually you could still hope for a much better behavior. So this is maybe my partial impression. But if you had asked 20 years ago, is a theorem like their theorem possible? I think nobody would have answered yes. I mean, okay, so conceivable maybe that such monsters exist, <laughs> but I think pretty much everybody would have bet that even if they exist, a proof of their existence would have been not reachable. Buckmaster and Vicol are thinking in terms of layers. They have their sights set on Luray solutions. They aim to prove that those two allow for a multi-track physics in which the same fluid from the same position can take on more than one future form. Vicol says they don't think Luray solutions are unique, and while they can't prove that yet, 
He says their work is laying the foundation for how you'd attack the problem. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Kevin Hartnett's full article, Mathematicians Find Wrinkle in Famed Fluid Equations, on our website, quantamagazine.org.